Hi, I'm Taylor Burgess, lead pastor of Cross Community Church, and we wanna welcome you to Worship with Cross Community online. We're excited about the opportunity to be able to bring worship gatherings right there to you in your home. So today you'll have the opportunity to join in with us in song, in prayer, a message from Romans chapter 12. We're also working through our uh, New City Catechism. This is a resource which has a, a series of questions and answers that are helping us establish strong doctrinal and theological foundations in the faith. So today, join in with us from wherever you are. Uh, as you join in today, we also want you to be aware of a number of resources we've made available to you. If you're watching this on social media, link to this video uh, is our online Next Steps card. This is important because it's the number one way that we remain connected with our church family. So if you're interested in getting more connected within the Cross Community family, sharing prayer requests with us, fill out that online Next Steps card and our staff will follow up with you throughout the course of the week. We've also made available our COVID-19 impact form. If you or your family have been adversely impacted by COVID-19 in any way, we wanna do everything that we can to step in and to serve you. So if you've been negatively adversely impacted, fill out that form and we'll follow up with you this week. For those of you who have kids or students in your home, we also have a number of resources available for you. Link to this video is our Cross Kids website. There's resources for you as a family uh, to be able to engage your kids at home in family worship. And if you have a sixth through 12th grade student, we have uh, student ministry Zoom meetings that are taking place every single week right now. So you can head over to the Crossover Student Ministry Facebook page. Finally, we've given the link for online giving. Um, we're so incredibly grateful for your generosity to our church family throughout this season. We've been able uh, to come alongside a number of families within our own church family or within our community uh, to serve them by giving them grocery gift cards, benevolence, uh, giving out food within our community through our St. Helena Food Bank and also through partnering with the help of Beaufort. So thank you so much for how you have faithfully given during this season so that we can continue forward in our message to preach the gospel and make disciples. We're excited to have you here with us today and look forward to worshiping with you this weekend. Hey, we're so glad that you have joined us here for worship. Uh, before we get started, um, we're going to turn to the Word. This is Psalm 89, and wherever you are, if you would just read this with me. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever in the heavens. You will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. And we praise him for his faithfulness to us. sins of the world his blood breaks the chains and 
every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before him. So open up the gates. So open up the gates. Make way before the King of Kings. Our God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Oh, we sing it out. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord faithfulness uh, who can stop you uh, this world can't stop you what's going on in this world can't stop you uh, we rest 
in who you are and your faithfulness to us. You sent your son uh, for us uh, to die in our place uh, so that we could have everlasting life with you. And we love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. As we uh, continue in our catechism, uh, we're on question 16 uh, this week. Now, this question is simple. What is sin? So repeat back with me uh, the answer. Uh, sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world he created, rebelling against him by living without reference to him, not being or doing what he requires in his law, resulting in our death and the disintegration of all creation. So our scripture reference this week is from 1 John. 1 John 3, 4 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So in a real sense, when we look at this, uh, this question and answer, uh, sin is the absence of obedience, the absence of following after the righteous decrees of a holy God. Uh, but we're foolish to think that in the absence of following these laws that there is freedom to be found. Uh, countless throughout history, we know that this is, this is not true. No, the exact opposite is true because in the void of not following God's law comes all kinds of wickedness. We're now teeming with all kinds of vile sin that has been festering in our hearts since the day of our birth. This is the reason why we need rescue, redemption. Uh, we must have a God draw us out of the muck and mire of our sin. We must have the precious blood of a righteous redeemer to, to cover our sin, to wash us clean so that then we can be filled again, with a new way of living. This is the exact way that we can see this. We see this in Paul to the Corinthian church uh, from our Bible reading this week alone. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we praise right now. Let us continue in worship. called me friend constantly condescends failure has called me friend fear has known my name poison my heart with it driving the fear out of me the lies that condemn me are broken 
The shackles are shattered by love The word of the Father has spoken And heaven declares it is done Amen So it is done Mercy has called my name Mercy has called my name. Guilt has a heavy hand. Shame finds a way back here. But I hear your voice.
The shackles are shattered by love The word of the Father has spoken And heaven declares it is done So it is done Amen, amen What great truth uh, we have in those words uh, well, right now, I'd like for you uh, to grab your Bibles and open them to Romans 12. And for the next uh, minute, minute and a half, uh, I'd like for you, wherever you are, whether you're at home uh, with your family, uh, you're maybe on lunch break, or you're by yourself, uh, just open up to Romans 12 and read uh, 12, 1 through 2 uh, together and uh, pray uh, expectingly that uh, the Lord is going to speak to us uh, today through his word. Alright, if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to spend all of our time together this weekend in chapter 12. We're going to cover the entire thing in the short time that we have together. If you're joining us for the very first time today, we are closing out a really unique message series that has been born out of the events of the last month called All We Need. And what we've seen over the last few weeks is that in spite of all the challenges we currently face God has given us all we need, not just to survive, but to thrive as his church in this season because he's given us Jesus, 
He's given us his word and he's given us each other. And we were able to see this proven true within our church family uh, this past weekend through our Easter services at the Highway 21 drive-in. And so I just right away want to be able to celebrate um, everything that the Lord did within us uh, over the last um, few days. So we get to record this on Thursday nights. This is just five days removed, so I'm still really excited about it. Uh, But this past Sunday, we welcomed over 800 people across two services. In spite of all the challenges, in spite of all the restrictions, we had over 800 people uh, join us for Easter services at the drive-in. More than 800 pounds of food was donated to the help of Beaufort. And then from our Easter offering, we are also able to give $1,400 to Beaufort Memorial uh, for critical needs and supplies that they have. But most importantly, uh, we celebrate through the form response that we had on the online mobile app. We saw four people uh, indicate a response to the gospel um, this past Sunday. And so wherever you are, I'm just imagining you clapping and celebrating and being excited about that right now because we want to celebrate uh, every new life in Jesus Christ. So week one of this series, we saw... Uh, that Jesus is our everything. And those who believe that Jesus is their everything live lives that are marked by desperate dependency, radical generosity, and unconditional surrender. Week two, we saw that we have his word, how the word of God is the solid rock upon which we can build our lives. And today we're gonna see that we have each other. And this is, all three of these, Jesus, his word, each other, this is all that we need to continue driving forward the mission of the church. It's not receiving widespread media coverage, but there is an epidemic that's wreaking havoc right now behind the scenes, uh, in addition to the global pandemic that's taping, taking place, and that epidemic is loneliness. There's a recent survey from Cigna that revealed that 50% of Americans always or sometimes feel left out, and a full 54% reported feeling that no one knows them well at all. And without question, all of those feelings have been exacerbated, have been magnified through the challenges of the last month. And for Christians, what this season has revealed for us is how desperately we need the body of Christ. We need each other. We need the people of God because the Great Commission is a community mission that cannot be carried out in isolation. We need Jesus, we need his word, and we need each other. But what specifically do we need from each other. That's what we're going to see today in Romans chapter 12. So uh, there in your Bible, uh, Romans 12, let's read uh, together verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul writes, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. I'm going to pause here on that one sentence. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Now, uh, if your Sunday school teacher growing up was like mine, she taught me that anytime we come across that word therefore in the Bible, we need to pause and ask the question, well, what's it there for? Uh, this is, this is a, a summary that there's uh, something that has been said already and Paul is now beginning to summarize. And the reason we have to see that word therefore here in verse one is because Paul is summarizing everything he has said in the first 11 chapters of Romans up to this point. We don't quite have enough time to read all 11 chapters of what Paul's written, but here's some of the highlights of what he's talked about. In Romans 1, Paul talks about how we have been created to worship God. We were created to be in relationship with God, but we've rebelled against him and we've worshiped creation instead of the creator. And and the bad news in Romans chapter 3 is that we have all sinned. I've sinned, you've sinned, we have all sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news in Romans 5, Paul says, is that God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not because we were going to be great people, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's good news because Romans 6 says that the penalty for our sin, the wages of sin, is death. 
Romans 7 says that we're completely powerless to, to do anything about this on our own. We're just a bunch of people, Paul basically says, who absolutely cannot get our act together. But in spite of that, more good news, Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he closes out chapter 8 by saying there's nothing that can separate us from his love. And then there's a great promise that comes in chapter 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Paul gets to chapter 12 and he says, therefore... In light of all of that, in view of the mercy of God, by the mercy of God, this is how we respond. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So we have Jesus, we have his word, we have each other, but what do we need from each other? Paul shows us here first is something that doesn't come from us from at all. It's something that comes from Jesus, and that's holiness. We need holiness. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Many of you who are watching right now, you're participating with our church family as we read through the Bible together in 2020. And as fate would have it, in a month where we are socially distancing from each other, we're reading the book of Leviticus which is all about social distancing. It's funny, you know, a month ago you read the book of Leviticus and everybody's like, these rules are so harsh. And now we're reading and we're like, this sounds perfectly reasonable, what they, what they did right here. And so what we find in Leviticus are all of the very, very grotesque details of what went into preparing an animal sacrifice. And you see the extraordinary links that the people of God had to go through to ensure that the sacrifices were holy and clean. And as the sacrifice burned, it was a pleasing aroma to God. It was pleasing to him. And so in the old covenants, making sacrifice meant putting something to death. But here in the new covenant, Paul calls us to be living sacrifices. Because in the new covenant, the final sacrifice for sin has already been put to death. And that was Jesus. Christ stood in our place in death. He died as a sacrifice for us so that we can live as a sacrifice for him. And the picture Paul paints here for our lives is that they would be a pleasing aroma that are for, that's forever burning in the presence of the Lord. The term he uses here for body is a term that encapsulates our, our body and our mind and our soul. It's our entire being. We've been working through this resource together this year, the New City Catechism, and this is exactly what question one was all about. Question one, what is our only hope in life and death? And what's the response? That we are not our own but belong both body and soul, both in life and death to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul is painting a picture of total surrender to Jesus as he calls us to lay down our lives to him as a living sacrifice in his presence. And in response to all that God has done for us, it only makes sense that we give all of ourselves for him. So Paul follows all this up with, with a, a don't emphasis and then also with a do emphasis. Here's what he says in verse two. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, even as we lay ourselves down as a living sacrifice, we've totally surrendered ourselves to God. As long as we are in this world, it is going to try to pull us away in temptation and empty promises. And so Paul exhorts us in view of the mercy of God, in view of what God has done for you, offer yourself completely to him, but understand the world's still coming for you. So don't conform to it. Don't listen to the empty promises of the world. Trust in the eternal promises of God. And this is what Paul says will happen. 
our minds will be transformed. Our minds will be transformed. Our hearts are being transformed. We're being completely transformed by Jesus as we refuse to conform to this world. And as our minds are renewed, the Spirit grants us discernment so that we can begin to understand the will of God. Listen, we a lot of times in our culture, we try to make discovering the will of God like we're out you know, with Indiana Jones searching for the lost ark or something. Like it's some crazy thing that we're never gonna be able to find. And listen, the will of God is pretty simple. It's to do the next obedient thing that Jesus puts in front of you. We're just called to obey God's word. That is always God's will is to obey his word. And so as we test the promises of God's word against the empty promises of the world, our minds are being transformed, our hearts are being renewed. And it's through that testing that we begin to understand the will of God. We see that one set of promises is empty and one set of promises is going to lead to our life. Our hearts are transformed, our minds are renewed, and as our will is submitted to his, we become more and more like him. What we most need from each other is something that we can only get from Jesus, and it's holiness. We need holiness. Verses four through nine, Paul then goes to talk about uh, what we need from each other in terms of our service to the church. So Paul goes on writing verse, verse three, he says, for by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we need holiness and second from each other, we need giftedness. We need each other's giftedness. We are all gifted in different ways and we're all gifted at different levels. And one type of gifting is not more valuable than the other. And one person's gifting doesn't make them important, more important than, than anyone else. Paul says we're one body with many members. When we teach our membership class, this is a foundational passage of scripture that we typically point back to. Because it's, it's from this text that we really believe we get a good idea of what scripture means when we talk about church membership. Now, membership is a word in our culture. It's just become so convoluted. There's so many negative connotations associated with it. Even in church world, it's, it's just a mess. It's really difficult from one church to the other to understand what it is they mean by membership. But it's pretty clear here from Romans 12 that when scripture talks about us being members of a body, we're not members of a church in the way that a golfer is a member of a club. We're members of a church in the way that my hand is a member of my arm. It plays an essential function. And, and so, so if we have an understanding of membership that's all about rights and about privileges and about benefits and about discounts, and we have a self-serving idea of membership, then yeah, you're, you're probably not gonna have a very good understanding of what church membership would be. But if we see membership in light of what Paul's here writing in Romans 12, what we'll see is a beautiful unified picture of the body of Christ as it works and as it functions together. You know, this is a, an interesting season where I think, depending on what your definition of membership is, you, you could approach the church in one or two ways. So, so listen, I just want to challenge you. And if you, you've been sitting at home as a follower of Jesus, as a member of the church, and you've only been asking for the past month as you sit at home, who's coming to serve me? You're playing the wrong game. 
Because members of a country club might sit back and say, who's coming to serve me? But members of the church are people who show up and say, how can I serve? Because we all play an essential function in building up the body of Christ. Members of the church show up. And that's what we've so badly wanted to see within this season is is for our church family to be people who said, listen, when the world shuts down, the church shows up. We're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus visibly expressed here on earth. The church is the body of Christ. So to say, I need Jesus, but I don't need the church is kind of like saying, I need to walk, but I don't need my legs. We're the body of Christ, and the church plays an essential role in building it up. So sure, you you don't need membership in the sense of belonging to a country club and just having rights and privileges and benefits and discounts, but what you do need is the body of Christ functioning and working together as we operate to be the hands and feet of Jesus that are advancing his mission to the ends of the earth. The church serves an essential function. But it doesn't just serve an essential function for us. We all serve essential functions within the church, which means when we're not connected to the body of believers, something is missing from the body that's needed in order to to drive forward the mission and and the message. So God has graciously given every single believer a unique gift that has expressly been given to them for the purpose of building up the church. And Paul lays out several of these gifts here in verses six through eight. So Paul says, so, so we though who are many, one body in Christ, individually members of one another, verse six, he says, having, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. He says, if whatever God has gifted you to do, use that. And so he lays out several gifts. Let's look at each of these really quickly. He says, so if prophecy in proportion to your faith, there are some within the body of Christ who just have a unique ability in an instantaneous moment to speak a word from the Lord. And Paul says this should be done in proportion to your faith, meaning if you speak a word of the Lord, if you're going to go as far as saying this is a word from the Lord, you better be sure it's actually a word from the Lord. <laughs> you, you need to make sure that the, the Holy Spirit has truly given you that, that it's in line with what God has already revealed in his word. But if what you are going to speak and what you're going to share is in line with the word of God, then Paul encourages you, listen, if that's you, that's your gift, then you speak in the confidence of the Holy Spirit as the rest of us as believers examine it against the word of God. He says, if your gift is serving, then in your serving. You know, we, we tend to, to talk about serving gifts. I think oftentimes in a really self-deprecating way. You know, I hear people who, who really have a heart just to serve behind the scenes, uh, just in, and maybe, maybe what many of us might see as more mundane things, not as important things, and say, well, I'm not really one to like get up in front and preach and teach or, or lead worship. I just, I just want to be behind the scenes, like no big deal. And we, we tend to diminish that and really talk about it in a self-deprecating way. And listen, I, I just want to challenge you. Do not have a low view of what Paul says has been given to you by the grace of God. That's not a, that, that, that's a gift that God's given you. That's a gift that he's given you. To have a heart to serve others in the unseen. He's given the humility to you to not need to be seen by everyone else. And that's something that we all need to learn from. And so listen, don't think less of that just because you feel like you're not being seen by everybody else. Your heavenly father sees you and he has gifted you to serve in the unseen. So if he's gifted you to serve, then serve. For one who teaches in his teaching, pretty straightforward. If you're a teacher, God has gifted you to teach for the building up of the body of Christ. The one who exhorts, the one who's good at at encouraging others in the word of God, challenging others in the word of God, then in your exhortation, build up the body of Christ. The one who contributes in generosity. Listen, if if God has has blessed you financially, I mean, that that is your gift to, to the church. 
God has, has prospered the work of your hands. God has blessed you financially so that you can be a blessing to others, that you could model the message of the gospel in your radical generosity. It's, it's not wrong for you to be rich. It's not wrong for you to have wealth. It's wrong when those riches have us. But God has gifted you and he's, he's given you this gift so that you can serve the needs of others. The one who leads with zeal. So, so man, if you're gonna lead, don't do it apathetically. Don't, don't do it lazily. You know, this is kind of one of the dirty secrets of, of church world is that church leaders, you know, oftentimes there's not a whole lot of accountability. And so they can kind of just skate through, you know, day to day and, and not have to worry about doing a whole lot. And so Paul really calls that out. And he challenges that. He says, listen, if you're leading, then do it with passion, do it with energy, do it with zeal as you lead in the body of Christ. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I mean, some of you ha- have been gifted and you have been given a heart to care for the sick and to feed the hungry and to serve the poor. But any of you who have been involved in any of that work in any capacity, you know it can be exhausting. It can feel like you're never making progress and it can be, become easy to just sort of have this, uh, this very negative mentality towards this and just do it, uh, just kind of dragging along through. And Paul says, listen, to do this with cheerfulness. Whatever God has called you to do in acts of mercy, do it in the gladness of the Lord. Every single gift plays a unique role and building up the body of Christ. And we don't put our gifts to use. The body of Christ isn't built and sustained the way it needs to be. And every single role has a, a good place to be used and it has a bad place to be used. We, we've all got a, a great gift that God's given us, but there's a right time to use it and a wrong time to use it. And this is why we need all the gifts of the church. So I'll just pick on myself and preachers as an example. There's a great time for preaching and then there's a not so great time for preaching. So what we're doing right now, preaching, teaching, exhortation, that is great for what's happening right now. That's great for what happens in the large gathering on Sunday morning. But think about this with me. You know how terrible all of our community groups would be if they were led by preachers? (laughs) Nobody would ever get a word in edgewise. Like we'd take up all the time. I mean, think about Paul, for example. Like Paul's writing the book of Philippians. He starts out chapter three with the word finally, like he's wrapping things up. He's still got two chapters to go. He's, he's only halfway through his letter. That's exactly what it's like with, with preachers. And so you need people in that moment who are teachers. You, you need people who are great at facilitating conversation, who are great at listening, who are great at being patient with people and, and drawing answers out of them. You don't want a preacher leading in every single setting in the church. So there's a right way to use our gifts. There's a wrong way to use our gifts, which is why we need everybody using their gifts to make sure that we don't become lopsided. If every single ministry of the church was led by people who preached, we'd be like a person who's driving, trying to drive a stick shift with just one hand and one foot. And listen, there's probably some pro out there, some guys watching this right now going like, I can do that. And that's great. Like you are the rare exception. But most of us who try to lead that way would be completely lopsided. There'd be a whole lot of stopping and starting and stalling. We need all of the gifts of the body of Christ so that we can continue driving forward the mission effectively and efficiently. So understand, your your gifting is not just your gifting. Paul writes here in in Romans 12, he says, first and foremost, you offer your body as a living sacrifice to God. And then we who are believers, we are all members of one body. Your gifting is not just your gifting. Your gifting is also his gifting, and it's also our gifting. And when we don't put our gifts to use in building up the body of Christ, we we are robbing God and we're robbing the church of what rightfully belongs to each. Use your gifts to build up the church. And listen, there's never been a better season for you to renew your commitment in putting your gifts to work to build up the church than the season we're in right now. 
Guys, we're, we're in this season right now where, where the enemy thinks he has us pinned down. And what he doesn't realize is that we're reloading. And we're going to come back with a vengeance as we gather together again in hopefully the not-too-distant future. And we're going to be prepared to rattle the, sh- the gates of hell as an army that's serving in the name of the Lord. How and where has God called you to serve? And I think what might need to happen as soon as this video ends today and as soon as you finish watching is to fill out that next steps form and to figure out how you can begin serving and putting your gifts to use to build up the body of Christ. We need holiness. We need giftedness. And third, we need togetherness. This is the picture that we see throughout the rest of the chapter. In verses 9 all the way down through verse 21, Paul gives some 30 different directives for all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know what your Bible might say, but the heading in my Bible in this particular paragraph here says, Marks of a True Christian. So what Paul is describing in these next verses is the natural overflow of someone who is a living sacrifice before God. This is the picture of what it means to be a living sacrifice who's given yourself completely to the Lord and who's serving within the community of the church. This is the mark of a true Christian and of true Christian community. Let's read this, verses 9 through 21, and just let it speak for itself. Paul writes, Let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here's what you and I need to understand. There's not a single one of us that is capable of keeping up with that on our own. There's not a single one of us that can handle all of this by ourselves apart from the grace of God and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Keeping this list is going to lead us to one of two places. It's going to lead us to pride or it's going to lead us to despair. Either we're going to become self-righteous legalists who puff ourselves up because of our ability to keep the rules Or we're going to become self-loathing failures who beat ourselves down because we feel like we can never keep up. This type of sacrificial unity is only possible within the body of a people who have laid themselves down as a sacrifice for Jesus Christ. We'll never see that picture if we try to do this in our own power because holiness is not something that we have within ourselves. It's something that we have to have from Jesus We need his grace every step of the way. We need the power of the Holy Spirit every step of the way. But when we fully surrender ourselves, when we lay ourselves down before him as a living sacrifice, 
verses 9 through 21 are going to be the overflow of our lives, and it's going to be the picture of the community that we're building. This is what we see, the ideal for Christian community. Doesn't this sound great? Genuine love, hatred of evil, competing to show honor, fervency of spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patience in suffering, constantly praying, financial generosity, welcoming hospitality, love for our enemies, peaceful harmony, befriending the lowly, humility, not needing revenge, the pursuit of reconciliation, overcoming evil with good. This is true Christianity. This is what it means to be a living sacrifice before God and to live as sacrifices in community with each other. And what this list reveals to us is, man, that left unchecked, our, our sin is going to lead us to some pretty terrible places. This list has to exist in the first place because we're not prone to do these things on our own. So, so when we look at this, we have to understand we will only be able to operate and fulfill this through the grace of God and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, let's just be honest, for, for those of us even who are in Christ, who are believers in Jesus I mean, so much of our obedience, even to what we find here, it's, it's incomplete and it's imperfect. We have bad motives sometimes. Sometimes we do things not because we're trying to honor the Lord, but because we just want to be seen by other people. We want the attention of, of other people. Sometimes we do things begrudgingly. Even our obedience, is, is, as good as it might seem sometimes, very often it's executed imperfectly and incompletely. One of my um, favorite preachers on the planet is a guy named Ray Ortland, and uh, over the last week, he recorded this short video with the Gospel Coalition where he was talking about this very specific subject, just the messiness of the Christian life and of the Christian church, and, and here's what he had to say in that video. He, he just asks, he says, why would anyone trust the Christian church? It's a mess. The Christian church is a complicated tangle of mixed motives, misplaced agendas, broken relationships, settled mediocrity, and so forth. But it's his mess. It's his mess. And the messy people in the Christian church are apparently not beneath him. He does not perceive them. He does not feel about them in such a way that they are beneath his notice. And you and I, I mean, come on, are we really that great? And if we're not beneath his notice and we're not beneath his care, can we begrudge his love for others, in fact, for those Christians whom we most hate? We are patient and gracious toward and loving and accepting of each other because we have been accepted by Christ. Because God has been gracious and patient and loving and accepting of us. Every single one of us has been guilty of the opposite of what we find in Romans 12. Every single one of us has been guilty of superficial love, of apathy in our service to the Lord, of being impatient in the midst of trials, of being prayerless, of being greedy with our money and our possessions, of being unwelcoming, of hating our enemies, of refusing to live at peace with others. But we're accepting of each other in spite of our failures because Christ has accepted us in spite of ours. And it's from that foundation of the gospel, of our acceptance in Jesus Christ, that we seek to be as loving and accepting of every other believer that we possibly can. You know, we feel a lot better about ourselves when we say things like, well, I can love them, but I don't have to like them. I'm so glad God doesn't feel that way about me. I'm so glad that God does not just tolerate me. 
I'm glad that he sees me in spite of my brokenness and my failure. And he doesn't take every opportunity that he can to avoid me. He doesn't put a magnifying glass on my life and always try to judge my motives and to assume that I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to do something for, for my sake. He, he sees me in spite of all of that imperfection. And he loves me. And I've been accepted because of him. I, I don't want to be a follower of Jesus. I hope you don't want to be a follower of Jesus that becomes okay with just tolerating other brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because that is not the love that has been shown to us by God through his son, Jesus Christ. When we have been covered by the blood of Jesus, God always, only, and continually sees us through the lenses of the perfection of his son, Jesus Christ. We get to rest in that hope and in that truth. You know, the, the majority of us, if we're being honest, but we've probably looked at our lives, we've looked at the messiness, we've looked at the ugliness, and we've just had that hard, honest question where we've asked, how could God accept me? The invitation to Jesus is not an invitation to work really hard so that you can be made acceptable to God. The invitation to Jesus is that God has made you acceptable through him, that we've been covered by his blood, that by faith, by repentance, by turning of our sins, we get to be covered in his perfect holiness righteousness. So it's, it's my prayer for, for my life today. I hope it's your prayer for your life today that we would just simply come before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to burn for you because you died as a sacrifice for me. I want to live as a sacrifice for you. And I want that sacrificial love to be known within the body of Christ as I put to use my gifts that you have given me in your grace. And as I walk in love and unity and harmony with brothers and sisters in the Lord and pray for even those who are my enemies as Christ has done for me. This is true Christian community. We need each other. We need each other. And we need to be for each other what God has been for us in Jesus by walking with one another in patience and love and grace and sacrificial love for each other. So as we've done uh, every week of this message series, we're closing things today, we're gonna do again. But wherever you are watching this uh, from home or maybe from work or, or wherever you are today, I wanna invite you to just stop what you're doing. We're, we're gonna get on our knees together and we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask the Lord that we would burn as living sacrifices for, for him. So, so take a moment, move as you, you need to, and let's come together and pray. Father, we thank you that you saw us in our sin, you saw us in our messiness, you saw us in our failure, and you said mine. You didn't leave us, you didn't abandon us, you didn't forsake us. When we turned our backs on you, you started to pursue us. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die as a sacrifice for us. We want to live as a sacrifice for you. Lord, we want our lives to burn for you to be a pleasing aroma to you, to be a sweet fragrance before you. Father, we can't do this on our own, so we ask that you would give us the grace that we need 
to love you as we should, to love each other as we should, to serve your church and each other in our community as we should. Father, that the natural overflow of our lives, of being living sacrifices, would be seen by an outside world as a beautiful picture that is contagious, something that they want to be a part of. So Lord, we ask today, will you burn in our hearts so that we could burn for you? Set us ablaze, set us on fire with passion for your name and for your glory. We want to know you and we want to make you known. Father, thank you for the holiness that's been given to us through your son, Jesus. Encourage us and equip us and empower us to use our giftedness within the church. And will you give us a spirit-unified sense of togetherness as we drive forward your mission for your name and for your glory. Lord, we want our world to see you and to know you and to love you. Help us to love you and set us ablaze for you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. from home, we invite you uh, to continue with us as we close uh, our time together in song. Let us be known by our love in every word and every deed honor the Son
In every town and every tribe, Jesus is King. Amen. Let us go forth, heal and restore. Let us be known by our peace for the glory of the Father, for the glory of the Son, for the been so good uh, to worship with you um, again this weekend. Again, we have missed seeing you uh, in, in person. It was great to see you at least for a few minutes uh, somewhat at the drive-in this past week. But as we close things out today, please don't forget that Next Steps form is available online for those of you watching on social media. Um, that COVID-19 impact form is available as well. We want to be able to serve you if you've been negatively, adversely impacted uh, at all during this season. Online giving link is there, kids ministry resources, student ministry resources, all of that is there. Um, so make sure you avail yourself of those resources um, and feel free to reach out with us uh, to our staff at, at any point in time as you need things throughout the week. Um, next week, you have an opportunity to hear from Dave Eatman. Uh, Dave, uh, back in March, many of you may remember, joined us as a pastoral assistant. Um, he is working towards uh, his requirements for becoming uh, a chaplain. Um, and he's the crew uh, regional director for crew military here locally. And so uh, Dave's a member of our church. Again, recently joined us, pastoral assistant. He'll be bringing the word to you um, next week. So I'll see you via video here in just a couple of weeks, um, but tune in next week to be able to hear Dave. Let's sing together uh, as we close and we'll see you next time. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Guys, we love you so much. And we'll see you here next week.